Hi, I'm Tish. I'm Juliana. And this is episode 34 of In the Movies. This week, we're talking about Kill Bill, volumes 1 and 2, and the director-editor relationship. How do you separate just a movie from everything you know about the movie? Just because a movie has the trope in it doesn't mean you can't love the film. Female characters that we do get, every single one of them is important and has character. That is LGBT representation, like, in a nutshell. We've reached the end of film technology. First podcast, new apartment. Yeah! So exciting. I don't know if you can hear a difference yet. You may later when there's sounds happening, but um, it looks very different because it's an apartment. It's li- there, yeah. We have light. It's light. We actually had to put something over the window because there's too much light it's, and it's very hot. It's today. very hot. It's a freak, like, heat wave, wave in the middle of May. Yeah. It's like 30 degrees when it was like 15 two days ago. Yeah. It's going to be 8 tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's all over the place. So, try to keep it cool in here by uh, blocking out some sun, but... We've also got uh, cold drinks and popsicles, so... We sure do. We'll keep cool. Um, yeah, we're sitting on my sofa. Yeah. I kept saying how excited it was we were going to be sitting on a sofa to do podcasts. That we built together. Yes, we did. Yeah. Built it with our own two hands. And an Allen wrench. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not on your bed. No. Or our folding, folding chairs. chairs. It's just nice. lovely. Yeah. We have... High ceiling, yes. So much space, so big for activities. (sighs) So much room for activities. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Lovely. We got my little side table from IKEA. It worked perfectly. Sitting here, it's uh, it's so nice. Yeah. And if no one like is loud in the hallway or outside, it'll sound great. But the chances of that are... Uh, yeah, someone was just hammering, so I don't know if that's going to come back. At least it's not school hours, so there right. won't be children. It'll, like, never be school hours, so it's a work during school yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Pretty nice. Pretty happy Pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. This is also the first time anyone's come over just to come over. Yeah, that like, I haven't been, like, returning with you or, like... Yeah. Like, literally, the only people who have been in here is you and my parents. Yeah. Because moving. Mm-hmm. And then you came to put together the sofa. And then yesterday we bought furniture and stuff at Ikea. Here, I'm just, now I'm just here now to... Now you just... You actually hang out and buzzed in. It yeah. amazing. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. There were no issues. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't so fucking hot. It would be a nice visit. (laughs) What can you do? (sighs) Nothing's perfect. Yeah. All right. All righty. Yeah, we were supposed to have a guest. Yes. (laughs) We were. Um, She told me to call her out, so I'm calling you out, Brienne. Um, Well, we kind of both... We kind of both (laughs) messed up the dates. Kind of. I was like, hey, you ready to podcast? She was like, no, I thought it was tomorrow. I was like, no, Thursday. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then I looked back in our conversation, <laughs> and turns out I had said, how about Thursday the 19th? So she had put the 19th in here. Thursday's the 18th. So, 
Yeah. We both kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. We were thinking Thursday. And by we, I mean you. And then in our shared calendar, you said Thursday. Yes. So I knew. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get Brienne on... Um, soon. Soon. When she gets back from Europe. Lucky well, girl. She's fancy. Um, but today we're talking about the Kill Bills. Yeah. It was fun to rewatch them. It had been a while for me. Yeah, it's been a long time since I watched them, but I have watched them a lot. So have I. Because, like, they came out 2003, 2004. That was, like, around the time I was just getting into movies. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I must, like, got a hold of them and then just, like, rewatched every time I wanted, like, a kind of action badass chick movie. It has the rewatchability factor, though. I mean, like, Yeah. yeah, of course you can overdose on anything, but... yeah. But yeah, it's been a nice break, so I noticed things this time. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. It's good. Uh, so, Kill Bill Volume 1, 2003. Kill Bill Volume 2, 2004. Both directed by Quentin Tarantino and written by Quentin Tarantino. And the character of the bride is credited to Q and U, right. which is Quentin and Uma, Uma yeah. Starring Uma Thurman, Lucy Liu, Vivica A. Fox, Daryl Hannah... David Carradine, Michael Madsen, and lots of other people. Right, but, but those are the that's main. the Viper Squad, whatever. Yeah. Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> I just watched this. <laughs> it's a lot of names. It's ridiculous. Like, they're the Viper Squad, but then they're all named after snakes. But then they all actually have character names. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of names. They, they have a lot of names. So, volume one. The bride wakens from a four-year coma. The child she carried in her womb is gone. Now she must wreak revenge on the team of assassins who betrayed her. A team she was once part of. Dun, dun, dun. And then volume two. The bride continues her quest for vengeance against her former boss and lover, Bill, the reclusive bouncer, Bud, and the treacherous one-eyed L. Love treacherous one-eyed L. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. This is... We had to talk about both of them because it's... It's one story. Yeah. They can be watched separately. Because they each have their own motives and sort of... Because each person has its own, like, journey yeah. to kill that person and killing that person and kind of satisfaction of that. Yeah. And then it's just kind of, like, five of those. And then together. Bill's the like ultimate thing but you could watch just one or the other. I weirdly find almost volume two easier to watch as a standalone than one because one I'm like but she hasn't killed Bill yet. Yeah there's that. And it's a weird thing that like I but um but the Oren Ishii section is my favorite Mm -hmm. of both films. Yeah and that's like most of volume one. Right. Yeah. She's just I don't know. They have, it's like, it's, the anime backstory, yeah. and, like, she become. I don't know, I just love the whole section of it. Yeah, it's good. It's a lot, like, a big fight. Like, her against individual people, her against, like, the whole 88, yeah. and then Oren. It's good. They're good yeah. movies. They man. are. They're fucking good movies. Um, what I noticed this time... Because it had been a while, and I've watched other action movies <laughs> since then. <laughs> In, like, the how... last ten years? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, 
is how like comical the fighting actually yeah. is. The sound effects are ridiculous. I know. The like <laughs> physics of the <laughs> jumping and everything that they do is like it's crazy. It's it's funny if it is like comical fight choreography. Yeah. But you also get the sense um, and I haven't watched a lot of, like, old kung fu movies and stuff, but I kind of get the idea that that's where that's coming from. That's very that's what much... they were like, or mm-hmm. still are. Like, we watched... What was it? I was <laughs> going to say the one, the one in Montreal. Kung whatever. Fu Hustle? Right. It's very much, like, in the style of, like, traditional kung fu films, where it's, like, that defies the physics and that's... Yeah. Like, that's not was, the important That one was part. particularly big on comedy, but... Yes. I feel like they all have that. Uh-huh. Not all, but that's... The genre that he's going for, that he's taking from. Right. And Tarantino's, set, like, been known to, like, he's a huge lover of, like, the old kung fu films mm-hmm. and, like, Asian films and all that sort of stuff. So, like, yeah. it's always been, like, that's what inspired this mm-hmm. creation. And it works. Right. Um, and Because it, it is such a ridiculous story. No part of this is trying to be, like, uh, n- real. No. At all. No, it's but very tongue-in-cheek. Within, it knows. Yeah. But within the world, you're like, yeah, okay. She almost got killed. She's in a coma. Baby mm-hmm. killing. Yeah. But when you think about it too much, you're like, okay, like, what? Why would you be in a coma for four years and then wake up? How did the baby survive if she's in a coma? Like, if you start thinking right. about it too much. Or, like, my thing when I was watching it, the first one, I was just like, she just woke out of a coma, somehow got out of the hospital, got a car. Okay, fine. She's sneaky and smart. And then she just flies to Japan, and she has clothes, and she has things, and, like, pays for things. Yeah. I'm like, I know she's, like, like an assassin. They live, you know, beyond society or whatever. She's got connections. But, like, she's trying to kind of stay dead, right? Right. You would have thought, to like, point. you don't want, like, Bill or Oren or any of them, like, yeah. figuring out that... You can't go to all your old contacts because they're Bill's contacts. Right. Bill was your world like that world was all connected to them yeah it's it's kind of cool though what i like about it is actually like that it is like a different it's very like in the theory of the multiverse it feels like this is like a slightly alternative reality Mm -hmm. where like things aren't what they are in real life but they're not too far off yeah same constructs and like social design but like also things like this crazy kung fu film can like people are like stronger or smarter like yeah. than is really realistic. Absolutely. Which makes for some fun characters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking about um Pai mm-hmm. Mei. Yeah. That's how a great much I loved him. <laughs> yeah. The other thing this time watching is that I I don't know how long I've had the like copies like downloaded mm-hmm. copies that i had but i think volume no neither of them had subtitles i think and i've just watched them several times without oh. subtitles for the japanese parts okay or maybe no i had them for maybe the second one because that has a lot of like, yeah well like English. all the but this I time i the- i re-downloaded them so i had like better quality and subtitles for both mm-hmm. but i had to like turn on the subtitles for the japanese parts because it wasn't it was just English subtitles for the whole thing. So I was, like, really, like, actually seeing all, like, <laughs> that I definitely hadn't seen in a long time. Like, all their conversations and stuff. But I was like, I, t- it's, I followed it without it. Sure. 
But there's, like, some, like, narration in the first one. I was like, oh, I should listen to this nice little, like, war and vengeance and whatever narration that's happening. And then, like, Pai Mei is actually, like, really, like, cheeky and funny. I know. I love that. Yeah. And he's the same actor that plays Johnny Moe in the first one. Yeah. I realized that in the credits. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, then they've also got... What's his face? <laughs> James Parks. Edgar... James Parks playing the, like, southern sheriff guy and Esteban. Esteban. (laughs) Which brings up the thing of, like, this is, like, a white guy here playing a Mexican guy. So. Yeah. I mean, I get it's part of his, like, style of at least these movies to have people play different characters because there are, like, such funny characters. Yeah. characters, you know? But then I was like, I'm a little uncomfortable with this. Mm-hmm. This isn't just like a grizzled, like tan, leathery man. Like you're you're, you're saying he's Mexican. he's Mexican. He's a Mexican he's a drug lord. man. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, put it in that accent and stuff. And I'm like, okay. I mean, like, good job. You're unrecognizable in those two roles. But also, mm, mm, mm. yeah, yeah. Should we talk about race stuff? Because there's so much like. Japan stuff, right? Yes. And we're like, okay, fine, you're into, like, kung fu movies and stuff. So you're paying homage to that, so Japan, fine. But it's, like, stereotypical stuff, like Japan and samurai swords, and Japan and the crime, and, like... Right. But And, like, her backstory being, like, anime. I was like, is that appropriate to put it in, sort of, for countries, like style of animation or is it just like when I think of Japan all I think of is anime we must put that together generally I would actually go with the first one and I give Quentin Tarantino benefit of the doubt only because um his knowledge of like film and Mm -hmm. um media is like vast and overwhelming like he's crazy um detailed and stuff about it and because it's done in a very specific style of, like, old kung fu movies. Like, I don't feel like he was like, sure, Japan, samurais, or, like, I feel like he was going for a specific mm-hmm. genre with it. The anime thing, I guess, like, I never really thought of it like that. I don't, I, I don't feel like it was chosen, because, like, that's all, like, God. Mm. But it is, it stands, it is an animated part of Absolutely. Like, that was a choice to yes. tell her story like that. I think he chose yeah. specifically... Yeah. To do it I like it I'm for just a reason. Made me think about. Yeah. It is like it's. A, I like the animation because it is anime style that we're kind of familiar with, but mm-hmm. it's more like sketchy, like yes. the lines and stuff. Yeah, it's not really like, cool. It almost looked more like a graphic novel brought to life than like Sailor Moon anime. I know. I love Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my go-to. That kind of like cartoony right. anime, as opposed to like. I guess yeah. it's manga when it's in a book, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just had to think about That's that fair. when it's, you know a white American guy is making absolutely a movie about other races. Absolutely, and I think it's a fair. It's at least fair to question it. Mm-hmm. Well, because the other thing is, I was it a video? Yeah, I watched this like video essay about. Quentin Tarantino, is he a feminist filmmaker and, like, how he portrays his women in his films and how they are, they're very strong and they're very smart, but they're also 
brutalized. Like, there's so much violence against women. And I don't know. It didn't really have a solid, like, point or answer in the video. It just kind of brought up lots of thinking about this. Yeah. Um, And they talked a lot about the Hateful Eight, which I haven't seen. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's all men and this small woman who constantly is getting punched in the face. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like... Could you do this if that was a man? Would it be the same story? And, like, in an interview, Quentin was saying yes. But no, it wouldn't have been the same for... Like, he was saying, like, if you had, like, some big... Like, big guy, whatever, as the prisoner, it could still be the same story. But this person who made this essay was saying, like, no, it wouldn't be because these guys wouldn't be punching a, like, seven-foot-tall, 300-pound guy in the face and laughing about it, you know? I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I have. I mean, like, I feel like the fact that they're a prisoner is really important in that specific topic, just because it's like, isn't that, no matter the size, if they can't fight back, Mm -hmm. what do people do with somebody that can't fight back? Um, I mean, it would probably be, it's always, in my opinion, different if you would make it not a woman. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like there's no way around that. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it was just about, like, is it feminist? Is it feminist, I guess, like, the way it portrays women? Which is always, there's no right or wrong right. answer. People ask that a lot of Joss Whedon as well. Yeah. Like, is he a feminist? He wrote this one plot line. Mm-hmm. But he also does, you know, I, and it's like, well, what do you take from it? Like, yeah. Do you take, like, yeah, strong women, we're awesome, and we can kick ass and take yeah. care of ourselves, or do you take, like, wow, we just get beaten on? Yeah. I don't know. And then it's also, you can never really say, like, is it the, is the writer feminist or unfeminist, or did they just write unfeminist characters and unfeminist things happening? So, like, in a way, men, female, like, filmmakers could, like, hide behind that and be like, no, I just wrote a character who's, like, a terrible racist or sexist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, or whatever, because I made this woman, like, strong and fight back against it. But it's also, like, you're putting that stuff in the world, so it's... Absolutely. That's the thing about media. You can make your point about, like, bad people, but you're also putting that out there, and you don't know how people are taking it. Obviously, it would be boring if every movie and TV show was about, like, nice feminist (laughs) people, but... Where's the line? Yeah, of, like... And where's the line of responsibility? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, we know what the tropes are and stuff, so it's kind of like, okay, you want to tell a story, bad shit happens, and someone rises against it, but it's also like, we have enough movies and stuff of, like, violence against women, or, like, women being raped, and, like, all this stuff, like, there are other stories to tell now. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then they had a clip of him in an interview, someone asking him, are you a feminist filmmaker? And he said, I'm not really the one to say that. I actually think that's something left for people to decide about me. But I think, no, you get to decide if you're making, if you're a feminist and if you're making feminist stuff from your feminist viewpoint. Your film, it's your viewpoint. Yeah. Is it feminist or not? Yeah. You can say yes or no. People might disagree and be like, I didn't really find that feminist, blah, blah, blah. People are always going to do that no matter what your answer is. Yeah. But it's kind of like. Like, no, you can answer that. You can say whether or not you're a feminist right now. I feel now. like that answer is no. Like, I feel like by answering like that, the answer is no. <laughs> exactly. Or he's, like, 
I'm not saying he's a complete misogynist asshole no. for not declaring, yay, feminism. He could just be kind of hiding behind not yeah. wanting to out and say it. But also, he, like, if I he, mean, Quentin's weird, right? Like, we can weird. admit that. <laughs> and he's weird about, like, when you, like, ask him about violence and stuff. Yeah. That's the other thing, like. He gets really defensive about it. Yeah. Like, we get it, you're trying to make a certain type of movie, but it's 2000-whatever. You're making this certain type of movie. This is the world we live in. You can't really hide behind the, like, it's art, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the gore and everything is because it's art, and it's like... It's not just your art. It's a movie playing in theaters all over the world. Yeah. Like, I find his violence interesting, especially in this film, because like because it's so over the top, it's so um, unrealistic, mm-hmm. has a very different feel. It's much easier to digest, which I don't think you could do this movie with realistic violence. It would be so overwhelming. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh, ha, their arms squirting like up in the yeah, air, twenty it's feet, hilarious. like right. Yeah. Um, now I forgot my point. <laughs> the violence, violence his violence. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I just because so I mean, like I don't know when he's asked about violence, but then you look at something like Inglorious Bastards, where the violence is a lot more realistic, like some of like the scalping and all this sort of. I don't know. So. It's all over the map. But um, is that just like you went with like the style of hilarious mm-hmm. old... Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched enough of those to be able to tell you. Yeah. But whenever you're putting something like violence or something that brings up like an issue like feminism or whatever, like you can't hide behind this is the style, this is what I'm paying no, homage to, point. this is the art, whatever, like... It isn't just art and we're interpreting it different than you. You're literally, these things are literally happening on screen. Mm-hmm. You have to sort of stand behind it and have a reason and for putting this out in the world. And you're yeah. fucking Quentin Garantino. Everyone's going to watch your movies. You're, you can't make some like weird art film and then be like, I don't know how people take it. Like, this is just my thing I'm making. Like, you have an audience built in. Absolutely. Like, of people who already like your stuff or don't like it, whatever, and new people like, you just, he seems to want to live in his own little world where he gets to make these movies and, like, these Western and Kung Fu kind of movies. He definitely lives in his own world. Yeah, because he he, likes those movies growing up or whatever, but it's like... At some point, you need to take some responsibility for what you're putting out. And I don't mean that on a bad way. Like, I'm a big Tarantino fan. I like his stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a personal choice, of course. But it's like, you don't need to just say, like, oh, to everything. Like, just have strong opinions. Yeah. Like, it's okay, buddy. But, like, with this, too, because the violence is so easy to digest and, like, oh, and, like, laugh about it, it's also being, like, does that make light of the violence in some ways? Like, mm-hmm. oh, she just slaughtered 80 people in this room. Yeah. Yeah, I guess by making it ridiculous, it's it's the whole desensitizing right. the to violence because it's so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. We don't think about it. We think of, like, yeah, she, like, cut a bunch of people with a samurai sword. That doesn't really relate to our own lives whereas like a story about like gun violence in LA or something would be yeah have to be more rooted in reality right. but this would never actually happen so he can just go nuts with it yeah i mean it's good but we have to <laughs> question stuff well i think it's fair to ask all these questions i still love this movie <laughs> like it's yeah. never going to i mean we're, we do it because we love movies and we think about the stuff, but, like, right. everyone should be somewhat analyzing their media just to the point of, like, 
why am I laughing at this joke? Why right. do I not like this? Why do I like Awareness. this? Awareness. What is this story really telling me? You know? <laughs> Awareness you is to, important. Yeah. To, and it's but, really simple stuff sometimes just like being aware of how many women am I seeing on TV? Right. How many people of color am I actually watching? Like just a little bit of like awareness of what you're putting in your brain because it will the come brain out parts. of your brain in other forms, whether you like yeah, it or and not. Yeah, sometimes not the way you're expecting. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's Tarantino. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a complicated filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It's it's good stuff. I like. I don't know. I like it. I like the story. I like it's all like the way he pieced it apart and then put it back together to make it into these two movies and this one big story. I just I see him with like a giant whiteboard (laughs) and like trying to like figure out the timeline. Yeah. And now because we're talking about editing today. Right. I wonder how much of that was his original like script. He knew the order was going to go in. Or how much of that came in after? Because this is something that you could edit a million different ways. I mean, every movie you could edit a million different mm-hmm. ways. Well, yes, because this you one being but purposefully put out of order, there's still so many ways you could put it in order. Yeah. Quint, I know Tarantino's known for being like incredibly detailed in his scripts and that mm. sort of thing. I'm sure he had it. Like, I'm, I have no doubt it obviously wasn't like a linear. No, it was never scripted at any point. But I would not be surprised if things were like, well, how about we don't put that there? We put this here. And instead, like, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you really have the options with a lot of it. Yeah. We'll talk about it more with editing about yeah. how it stuff. But um, yeah, kind of, I was thinking about like, could this be told in just chronological order? Would it? be the same or could we tell it in a different order i was thinking how different would it be what would the effect be chronological i feel like the first film would be a lot different the second film would be less different yeah because she does um like in the second film it's like it's bud it's l it's kind of (laughs) it is yeah it's bill it goes back to the very beginning right and then it jumps forward again and then it's kind of in order yeah it goes i mean like the first one was like I got shot in the head. Now I'm killing this one. Which I've is already, number two. Yeah. You've already I've killed. already killed. And then we go back to the right. bigger kind of story with the first one. Yeah. Vivica A. Fox's was like by far the most like underwhelming. Yeah. It is weird how like. It, yeah. All the other ones <laughs> felt like such like big like. I mean, Oren was, like, this massive thing. Now, to be yeah. fair, one became a housewife and one became the leader of the Yakuza. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess, like, yeah. there's a, a yeah. difference in terms of preparation and attack plan there. Yeah. So, for, like, the movie perspective, it is kind of, like, it leads you in. Right. It kind of, it throws you in. Mm-hmm. But then you just get this, like, relatively little fight. Right. And then we get this big story leading up to Oren. Yeah. Isn't it in the first one or second one where she actually like gets out of the coma and like gets the pussy wagon? Is that the second That's one? That's the first one. The second one. Oh, the first one. Yeah. So she kills 
Because we see that, and she's, like, sitting in the back of the van. She's, like, literally a big toe or whatever. Yeah. And then it goes from that to her One killing. To... No, it goes from that to her killing um, Vivica A. Fox, Bernita Green, doesn't it? No, she pulls up in the pussy wagon before we know what the pussy wagon is. Does she? Now yeah, the confused. first thing is she pulls up, kills... Vivica A. Fox. I can't remember all their names. I know. Bernita and then Green. there's like, that's when the like uh, Japanese voiceover started. Because I remember because I had to get the subtitles going. And then that leads into... Because we de- she that's... definitely comes out of the coma uh, first, first one. Yeah. Because we see her kill the guy that's about to rape her. Well, we don't really see it. We see her bite his lip or whatever. Yeah, and then the that. guy comes in and she wears Bill, yeah. wears Bill. And then she's... But does that... <laughs> We're so bad. Oh, my God. I feel like that's... I can't believe you just had to listen to us talk. Maybe at some point... That's some point in the Oren story. Like, I is think it? maybe I the animated thing is that. first. I don't think it goes from, like, I just killed Vivica A. Fox. This is how I came out of my coma. I feel like... We get into maybe she goes to get the sword, and then ah oh, fuck whatever it happens it's, in the first yeah, one. Okay, it's all there, and then the, yeah, the second one is with the actual wedding thing. Yeah, you see the whole like it wasn't a wedding, it was a rehearsal and all yeah. that stuff, and you get a lot more like. Also, Bill is very mysterious in the first one because you mean you don't even you don't see, see him, him yeah. right? Whereas in the second one, he you go into a lot more of like their backstory mm-hmm. and yeah I mean, and that's for me i think maybe makes volume two kind of a better movie on its own oh i think it is about it volume one is standalone number two is better yeah because volume one is like half of it is fighting for oren yeah and then volume two is here's the wedding thing here's me and bill mm-hmm. and he's playing his pipe and then the training yeah. and then yeah, it's the backstory leading up to Bill, really. No, number two. Like, yeah, yeah. if you're going to just watch one of them, you actually should watch number two, not number one. Yeah. Because you learn everything you need to know out of the first one. To care why she wants to kill Bill. Right. Yeah. Um, For sure. Yeah. But one is fun in that way that, like, he left a lot of mystery so that you'd want to watch the second one. Of course, yeah. No, it's... he. He's very smart. I'll give him that. Like, mm-hmm. it's... They're well thought out. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Bill? Sure. Um, <laughs> Bill. Bill? Okay. His little gang yeah. is his brother Bud. And right. then three young women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of which he seems to treat like... No, sorry. Four women. Um, he treats like daughters and like lovers absolutely it's and it's creepy very fucked up like that see that's another thing that's like you put this on screen this is how a man is treating women what are you saying with this i don't know but he she also kills him though <laughs> yes yeah, she does um but like l stays devoted to him till the end absolutely and when she goes in to kill well and that's why she hates um beatrix, beatrix so much is because Beatrix was the favorite. Yep. And Elle wanted, wanted to be, to be the favorite. Yeah. But. Would stop at nothing. She goes in to kill Beatrix when she's in mm-hmm. the coma. And Bill calls and says, we're not going to do this. 
she talks to him like, oh, hey, baby, like, lovers. Mm. And then he sort of, like, talks to her like a child. She throws a bit of a temper tantrum like a child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then... Because that's how he treats her. And he's like, we're not going to do that. That's not fair. And she's like, yeah, I guess. He's like, do you have to guess? She's like, no, I know. I know. And then she's like, okay, baby, I'm coming home. I'm like, oh, that was so weird and gross. Like, it's she's so, like sexual and devoted to him you get that but also he's talking to her like Like a child child. i know but i think like they wanted to go there with like he's creepy he's and so manipulative like that's the thing like they it feels like a bunch of women who have daddy issues i mean like we know that oh ren probably has daddy issues Mm -hmm. she watched her father killed in front of her eyes like (laughs) yeah he's like oh it makes me want to know even though we get a lot of Oren background, we don't get her and Bill background. Like, no. I want to know the story of how Bill picked up all the rest of I them. I know. Because we get, we get, we don't even get that much with Beatrix. Like, no. We get once she's kind of, okay, he's taking me to train with Paime. Right. But we don't know, like, how did this girl get to this point? Yeah, like, because she already had some training with, like, samurai swords yeah. and kung fu and, like, was already, like... I don't think he just picked, like, random girls and was like, I'm going to make you an assassin. Like, there already have to be at least part of that. Because, oh, Ren, we know... Was an assassin. Right. Yeah. Was already, like, a full-fledged assassin. Like, why would she join up with this yeah. crew? And it's, it's like, so how advanced were um, Beatrix and Vernita and L? That they, like, yeah. got to join this club. Yeah, like, where are they And, like, from? did he just bring his brother Bud? Bud apparently used to be good with a sword. And, like, yeah. Bud at least is, like, an outside-the-box thinker a little bit. It seems mm-hmm. like he was the one that... But also, like, that's kind of your downfall. Because you, you're, like, you're the bad guy that doesn't just kill the person when you have the chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole idea of how they came together and how he picked up these young women... And how I like, well, yeah, it's creepy and weird. And like, why is he so great? It seems right. like everyone hates him. We, but how like, did he becomes he has he all is? these connections. But like, mm-hmm. everyone hates him. Like, Hattori Hanzo is willing to come out of retirement, come out like <laughs> and like go back on the blood oath he swore yeah. to make a sword to murder this man. And I mean, Paime obviously ended up. Uh, thinking more highly of Beatrix than he ever did of Bill with the because he taught her right. the five, five point, point palm, palm exploding heart technique, technique. <laughs> right? So like you get all this, but like Bill seems to be like this master and like obviously had to have like lots of contacts and but we never see him in action other than when he shoots Beatrix in the head. Yeah, we never see him. It's just like, like the old man pulling the strings. Right, he's not actually fighting. But, like, he must have been good at some point, yeah. right? Yeah. And also we know Elle was trained after Beatrix because she killed Paime. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how far mm-hmm. along was Beatrix when, like, Elle joined? Kind of, like, what order did they all right. come and in? It feels... Was it, like, kind of a rotating thing and this was just the team at the time? Like, did he always have a team? Did he always fuck them all? <laughs> well, like, and it's, it kind of seems weird to me because with Elle coming in after Beatrix, it almost feels like Elle, uh, like, Beatrix should be the one that's like, who's this new blonde bitch yeah. or whatever? But, like, she never seems to have had that. Like, she was just, like, she knew that her and Bill, like had something that he didn't have with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Even if he was obviously sleeping with all of them. <laughs> um, yeah. 
And but also, it's like, like she didn't care because she got pregnant and she just wanted to leave. She's right. Like, oh, now we'd be a family because we're in No, love. she yeah. was like, holy fuck, my kid cannot grow up in this. This yeah. is ridiculous. I'm out. Which also, at that point, I'm like, a more realistic thing would be like, fuck, I need to go get an abortion because I do not want a child. No. But she's like this hardcore assassin, whatever. But then I the moment she gets pregnant, she's like, oh, I want to be a mom. And that's the most important thing. And I was like, I know. A second ago, you did not want this. You wanted to go fly around the world killing people, being with Bill and this whole gang. Like, right. And if that's your jam, girl, go do you. You do you, boo-boo. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, why would you... Maybe it just shows his manipulation of that. She was a trained fighter for whatever reason, and he picked her up, and she just got, like, swept away. But really, she never wanted that life. Right. Like, all she it takes somehow ended for, up in it? Yeah. I get that getting being pregnant is like a huge deal and you have big decisions to make, but if that can change your life so drastically, like you didn't want that life then. Yeah. Because you don't have to suddenly want to be a mom when you get pregnant. No, like how long have you actually wanted to leave this group? Yeah. That's and suddenly a reason to finally do it presents itself. And she's out there so fast, she picks up a new man. She's getting married to him. Within nine months. Yeah, that was the timing thing that always bothered me. I know, me. it and bothers like, me every time. Like, at least they make him seem like, like the guy, though, that would totally get married to a pregnant woman within nine yeah. months. He seemed nice. Yeah, he seemed, seemed nice, but it was like, yeah, I, I have a job, tail. I have this guy, we're getting married. Like, did she get him so fast that she convinced him it was his? his? That's my assumption. Like, yeah. you picked out a guy in a bar, you guys slept together first date. Yeah. It was, like, two weeks after you found out you were pregnant, so he thinks the kid is his, and mm-hmm. then you were like, this guy's nice and down yeah. to earth, so we're just gonna stick together. Yeah. She talks about him so nice, like, yeah, I have a new life now, and I'm like, it's been, like, maybe six months. Right, and you get the <laughs> feeling, though, that she, like, like, she never, like, loves him, but, like... No, she just wants, like, this kind of right. different life. But I feel like she's, like, I like him enough that, like, we could be happy together. Yeah. I don't know. I like I mean, his hair. That's my favorite bill line. I like his hair. hair. Yes. <laughs> She's so creepy. I mean, and He's she so admits creepy. later, like, she didn't really think it was going to work out, but she would have had BB. BB's super cool. She's, like, an awesome little kid. She's fucked up kid. Because of Bill. Like, she's four and she's playing with guns and her Shogun assassin is the movie she wants to fall asleep to and, like, And then her mom finally comes back and kills the guy that's been bringing her up watching these things in front of her eyes. Yeah. So, I mean... On the other hand, she's only four. They're gonna need... She's gonna be... They might need some therapy. Yeah. I mean, they all need therapy. (laughs) Um, the rumor of Kill Bill 3 has been... Mm -hmm. Long around. When is that actually coming out? Do we know? Is on D. It's on IMDb. If you look up Kill Bill, right? Volume three comes out, but I don't know if there's like dates or anything. I don't even know if it's finished being written. I've seen more stuff about it, but and do we know what that's gonna be? No, I mean Bill's. We've killed Bill, right? Maybe just filling in more of the story. Maybe I thought like, is it gonna be Vernita's green dot? Renita Green's daughter has grown up and is coming back to kill you. That would be a cool third. Because that was such a small part in the whole movies. But she's like, for it to be like, you're still raw about it. You couldn't find me. Like, she's like, and she does. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. That's what I would do. 
if you want my opinion, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's got his ideas. <laughs> I feel like probably, yeah. Okay. Anything else we've been talking about? No. I Yeah. I think we need to move on to the editing section. Right. So... I did make some notes of editing in these movies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the story order, but that's writing, really. Yes. Um, but for action scenes, editing is very important. Yes. To make the choreography work. Um, especially in newer action movies. They cut... So fast. We can talk about a gazillion. Speaking times. of like old kung fu movies, which I haven't watched a ton, but even if you watch like like Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. Jackie Chan stuff, they're actually fucking kung fu fighters. So their scenes, their shots are like longer, a minute of them like actually jumping around, kicking ass. I mean, mm-hmm. not actually punching people, but the doing the choreo- moves, doing the choreography. Fully. Yeah. From you know, and you don't have to cut because they're actually doing it. Right. And these days. Action movies, action scenes are so fast. You see everything for like a second. And you never actually see anything happen. You see like a fist going towards a face. And then you see a face like blowing back. But you don't actually see a punch. Nope. Even obviously, you know what we mean. Your brain just makes all the connections it needs to. You see enough that your brain fills in the spaces. Yeah. And it's an action movie. Yeah. Which uh, is worse that like you're not I know I know it's well because it's like it feels really like watered it's, down it's watered down action yeah. yeah and it's actually it becomes so chaotic and I'm thinking of like Marvel movies when there's tons of people fighting or even like not fighting but Fast and the Furious is like it's action but it's not necessarily mm-hmm. fighting all the time and it goes so fast and there's so much going on and it just like overloads you and you're like that was cool but if you really like watch it and think about it it's like what is happening? Yeah, I'm not yeah. getting anything. And, like, remember we watched the trailer for uh, Atomic Blonde? Mm-hmm. And, like, it was just, like, a minute. It was, that was one It was such a crazy shot. shot. It was amazing. Yes. She was actually, her and these two guys were actually doing all this great fight choreography. Mm-hmm. And the camera was moving, but it wasn't cutting. And they were, like, falling down the stairs and they were kicking ass. And I was like... This is great. This is feels like action. This right. feels like I'm watching someone fight. We're going to go see that movie just because of that shot in the trailer. Yeah. Like, I want to see some good action shots. I want to see some fights and feel like I'm watching someone fight. Not, like, so much chaos I don't know what's going on. Well, and it also doesn't do justice for the stunt people that... Because, like, they are doing the choreography. Yeah. But, like, because you cut it out so much, it's, like, people don't really get to see, like, the beauty and, like, the, you know. And it's partly because they've got, they've got stunt people. Right. And they've got the actors. And the actors do a lot of training for action movies. I won't, like, take that away from them. But they don't do everything because they're movie stars. So they do have to cut a lot for that way to make them look like they're doing more than they are. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, like... Jackie Chan, he's actually he's fucking a, doing right. it. So you can get his face and the, all the action in one shot. You don't have to cut between. Yeah. The good old days. We're just reminiscing about the good old days. days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all editing. That's a lot of work. Yeah, action. And action scenes, like, it's not like a scene with dialogue and whatever. You got all your, like, coverage of a uh, conversation. Oh. It's so much more coverage, so many more angles. So much just 
hard to, I guess, hard to describe in a script necessarily. You have to, like, watch it and really put it together. Yeah, they're the hardest to edit, for sure, an action scene. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of patience. And Mm -hmm. to make an action scene flow and not feel, because there's so much editing, not make it feel super choppy is really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, as you say, that there's so much uh, action and fight scenes in these movies. And then on top of it, you're adding in a film that's told out of order. Mm -hmm. It's... It's... It's pretty, like, it's a masterpiece in editing. It really yeah. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also in Kill Bill, we've got some choice black and white scenes. Yes, we do. I assume that's Quentin's, like, artistic whatever. But, um... Her flashbacks. Yeah. And then there's... To the wedding. Oh, uh, there's a couple, like, split-screen things, yeah. which are really cool, or, like, kind of cropped scenes. Um, and the music in this movie. I really noticed that as well. They're, like, crazy songs that, like, don't go with the scene or, like, wouldn't kind of traditionally go with it. He's got, like, fun kind of music when they're, like, slowly facing off and the snow is falling or whatever. And it's, like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> And I'm, like, this, like, I, like, I'm feeling this. This is so good. But, like, but I'm also thinking, like, what if it was, like, slow, like, samurai movie music? <laughs> And it was like, because that would suit more because they're moving slowly and it's so beautiful and whatever. He's like, no, I'm going to put in this like cool like song. And He's every a- fight scene has like very specific songs. Yes. In different parts of the movie. And it's five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it doesn't really go, but because it's his, this movie, it's it like. It works. Yeah. I know. He's, I feel like he's like, good music. he's great at mixing patterns. Like, I feel yeah. like that's like, oh my God, yeah. He is. Yeah. yeah. But that's also like, some of them, he would know what songs that he wanted to use, but also that comes in later and that's like a lot of sound editing and sound mixing and that part, but it's also cutting with the music to make it work is also part of editing. Mm-hmm. Just so many people make a movie. Um. All right, let's wrap up Kill Bill right. with female representation, question mark? Oh, it's such a difficult movie for me to grade. Uh, I don't... Does it even pass the Bechtel test? I don't think so, because they're always talking about... They're always about, talking about Bill. Yeah. Right. The whole movie is about are, Bill. Yeah. But um, there are what we call strong female characters. Yeah, and there's a lot of women with, like, large roles in the mm-hmm. film. And there are... Scenes of them together. Yes. Yes, they're talking about Bill, but, and like, there are more than two minutes. They're also... I think we get enough of most of them that they're complex, and we see that they're... Mm-hmm. Yes, they fucking killed or tried to kill Beatrix, but they've also got... Right. You know, they're I would involved. say, like, at least Beatrix, obviously, at least Oren. Vernita, not so much. Like, we no, see, like... she's not really there. Yeah. But, um, Elle, maybe... I don't know. Elle's Elle just seems weird. like a fucking, like, psychopath. Right. And Vernita is. is kind of, like, kind of normal. Like, she had yeah. that life. She had her crazy 20s, whatever, and now she's got this, and she's, like... I feel a little bit, though, like, I got out. You were allowed to get out and have your kid. Oh, yeah. She deserves to die. (laughs) They all deserve to die. Right. Um, Yeah, it is tough, because then we also have a lot of women being killed. Brutally. With blood spurting everywhere. Like... Right. That's what I'm saying. And it's like, how do we... Yeah. But you have women doing the killing and blood spurting everywhere. 
Yeah. Well, I just, just thinking of, like, we talked about this in Mad Max, how women die a lot in that. But everyone seemed to be so, like, honorable. Like, when the older women died, it was like they knew what they were fighting for, and it was very, like, yeah. this is more like... No. <laughs> no, you're all, like, you were fucking assassins, and you tried to kill her, and now she's killing you, and it's... You're not... It's not totally black and white, but also it's like, is there anything redeemable about, like, O-Ren or L? And you're kind of like, no, you're no. just fucking asshole assassins, and you would kill anyone right. you don't fucking care. It's like, O-Ren, you get her backstory, and you, like, feel for her as a child and stuff, mm-hmm. but, like, you're like, you went way too far down the dark path for me to be yeah. like, yeah, you deserve to live. It's like, no. You chose you, this. You did, you had that past, and then... You were like, well, okay, what am I going to do in retirement? Become the head of the Yakuza. <laughs> like, I mean, and all of all the crime families. Like, right. she's, you know. And just, like, they all seem to have, like, no empathy, no, yeah. you know. She's just like, oh, Beatrix is here. Send everyone first. That'll slow her down a bit. And then I'll finish her off. <laughs> <laughs> so, I yeah, mean, I, mean, I guess that's I mean, a smart thing. I, yeah, that's why she's the fucking boss. But, um, yeah, so, like, it's hard to answer this question mm-hmm. for this film. Yeah. Like, I would have to say it kind of bounces out to right, just like kind a of B plus kind of B plus, yeah. Because like, on, you can kind of look at it as surface level, like, yeah, badass women kicking ass. But then when you look a little deeper, like, right. how are women really being represented? But, like, at least you're getting women. Women. And, like, you're following a female character mm-hmm. through the story. That's something... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, like, the psycho man puppet master does get killed in the end. <laughs> right. She gets her baby. Yeah, she does. All right, that's questionable. But, <laughs> uh, crew tally, we can do the numbers for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the volume one had 14 in the top five positions, director, writer, cinematographer, editor, producers. Uh, five of them were women. Uh, same for volume two, five out of 13. Actually, I mean, like, it's not good, but actually Mm -hmm. pretty high. (laughs) That's the, that's the horrible thing. I'm like, that's a third. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like it to be a half. Yeah. To two thirds. (laughs) It was, um, I didn't count Uma in the writing. That's fair. I just did. Quentin, um, her and Quentin, like producers, and then obviously the editor. Yeah, they say like it was based on, but like it's a character I think they had like started discussing during Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. when she was in that, and like it, it's cool. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, she definitely like I know she helped with like the character, but she didn't help with like writing the film. So. Yeah, not to discredit Uma, but I just kind of for I these top right. position things, I agree with that. Yeah. Um. Rotten Tomatoes, check in what people thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, The critics gave it 85 and 84. Very Very good. Um, The audience gave it an 80 and then an 89. So I liked Volume 2 more. Maybe it's double standalone factor of Volume 2. And you're getting the end, the conclusion of the story. Yeah, Yeah, probably some people. Pai is really cool. Some people might have not even seen the first one, just yeah. The second one came out, and they were like, oh, yeah, I heard good things, whatever, let's go see this, it looks cool. Plus Pai Mei. I Pai love Pai Mei. Pai Mei's <laughs> probably my favorite character in the whole thing. Lifting is... And you get him in volume, too. <laughs> yeah. I do, yeah, I like that whole section. hmm So, overall, everyone liked it. 
basically is the message. <laughs> no kidding. All right, let's talk a bit more about editing director-editor relationship, particularly women editors. Yeah, they exist. We, yes, they do. <laughs> um, what's the stat I always say? Editing is, I think, 15% women. That's higher than a lot of things. No, it's not. Direc- director is like 20. Oh. Writer is, I think, even maybe 20-something, yeah. 30. But, like, cinematographer, cinematographer is, like, like one. Yeah. yeah. But still, not a ton of women editors. Um, which, actually, when film started, they started making film, film editing, actually physically cutting film and gluing it back together was considered women's work (laughs) because it's dainty and meticulous and and detailed and yeah and it wasn't seen as important to the filmmaking process it was just a little technical thing once it became important men were allowed to do it and women were not yeah once filmmaking became you know movie making then it was this is part of the creative creation process and yeah there were also a lot more, like, women directors and stuff way back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Um, so, we talked about Kill Bill and Quentin Tarantino because he is known for always working with the same editor, Sally Menke, who sadly passed away in 2010. So, uh, yeah, Django yeah. and Hateful Eight were not with her. Yeah, uh, Glorious Bastards was her last... One. Her last one. Yeah. 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 That's sad. Yeah, I read in one of the articles that she died of heat stroke while hiking in California at like 52. Like Holy shit. That's so crazy because you're like, I have heat, I've had heat stroke. Yeah, like she, it was As very, we sit here in the hottest <laughs> room known to mankind. Yeah, it was like very sudden. It wasn't even like she got sick or something, but Aww. like she just suddenly died young. Um,. So, yeah, that's a known uh, director, editor. There's also plenty of men working together, but we're going to talk about yeah. women. As work we with. always do. Um, I honestly, I didn't see any examples of women editors working with women directors, but hmm. since there's fewer women directors, I would assume they, because they get fewer chances, they maybe don't have like teams like male directors to right. get they're their not, sort of nepotism or whatever, like their crew, you know? Yeah, they're not allowed to be like, these are the people I want to work with. Yeah. It's like, no, you're allowed to make this, but you have to have these. The studio's people. letting me be the director. Right. Like, they're picking whatever. I don't know. But um, Martin Scorsese has always worked with Thelma Schoonmaker. Woody Allen has worked with Eliza. Lepselter. Get some easier names, ladies. Um, <laughs> um, and then Mary Jo Markey and Mary Ann Brandon, who uh, separately or together have edited most of J.J. Abrams' TV series since 2001 and all of his features since 2006. Cool. That's cool. He has a lot of editing in his stuff, too. So Yeah, Star Trek and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Star Wars, yeah. Um, and Jason Reitman always works with Dana Glauberman. Cool. So there are some um, director-editor pairs that always work together. Because it is a very intimate intimate relationship. relationship. After you shoot your movie for maybe a month or two, 
you're spending months and months and months in a and tiny room, with director and editor, trying to make, make the movie. That's right. how you make the movie, really. I think, like, it it's almost can't be, like, overstated how important it is to, like, have a strong relationship. Because I think there's a lot of projects we see where, like, oh, this could have been good, and mm-hmm. it didn't come out good. And I feel like I wouldn't be surprised to learn that, like, a lot of those were, like, there was issues between director and editor because yeah, you really need to have like a singular vision as two people as like what the end goal is mm-hmm. for it to come out, or just be able to work together, right? To find your middle ground and yeah, some people would well, dissension that. is important in terms of like having opposing ideas. Like, what about yeah. this? What about this? But yeah, to have like a yeah. a goal, but it really is director and editor making the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I got a quote here uh, from Jason Reitman talking about editing, um, saying, mm, As a director, you spend many months with hundreds of people, balancing everyone's ideas and dealing with constant input, and then literally overnight you're in a small box with one person, and the two of you have to carry the film across the finish line. Um, and it often does feel like a marriage. Who do I want to spend all that time with? And you spend more months editing than you do shooting. And you do in a tiny room, sitting a few feet from each other. Um, so you have to pick the right person, basically. And yeah. you kind of, they both kind of talked about how it's like a marriage. And I call it my work husband and my work wife right. and stuff. And, um, well, it's like, I mean, imagine in, in your life, somebody that like, okay, for the next eight months, every day, for 10 hours, you're going to yeah. sit in a tiny box with this person and watch the same film over, over and over yeah. and over again. It's like, how many people would you be able to do that with? Yeah. Because my list is real short. <laughs> yeah. I would have problems with that because I've always have done everything for yeah, my of course. videos and stuff. You direct it's and edit. You, yeah. It would be hard. You'd you'd have a lot of, like, letting go issues. I would like to, like, do the, like, technical bit of it, maybe, of, like, I wanted to do this, make, make it do cut that. or whatever, do this. Yeah, but you'd be like, but no, but use like, this take. No, yeah. <laughs> and, like, cut it right here. Right. And then go to this. Yeah. And then make it do, yeah. But if you found somebody that you worked well with, even if it started like that, it's possible if you do more than one project together, right? Like, your relationship obviously would change and, like, yeah, grow. And you really, have a lot more trust and, like, okay, yeah. you become you a get filmmaking it. team. Yeah. Really. Which is why it bothers me so much that editing gets nothing, no credit. Right. Like, in general, there's, I mean, so many people, so many roles make a movie. Like, it's insane. Which is, like, why did I choose this as my, like creative passion because I don't like working with people. If I ever want to make something, I'm going to have to work with so many people. It's gonna, anyway. Um, <laughs> like, so many roles are just, like, undercredited or underrated. Like, just in general, so much goes to the director. Like, to the point that we refer it to, like, their film. Like, it's yes. his film. And it's, like... It's their film. He, like... Or she. <laughs> usually he. Or she, Yeah. But, like, if they just directed it, it bothers me when they refer to it as, like, a Tim Burton film or whatever. And I was like, he just directed it. He didn't even, like, create this world or whatever, right. you know? Like, Yeah. It's one thing if, like, okay, you directed it and then you went and sat in the editing room by yourself and put it together. Fine. It's your movie now. But yeah. it's, it never happens. So. No. And, like, 
writing and directing, I get it, because you really created it and then yeah. made it happen. But it's also like, you didn't just make it happen. Like, your cinematographer made it look the way it does. Yeah. Just a million people running around, physically put together everything on screen for you and made things happen. And then, as far as, like, making the movie that we see, the editor fucking does that. Right. Like, even with working with the director so closely, it's like, you didn't you didn't make this movie. You made it with mm-hmm. people. Even if you want to say, like, these few people in the sort of top positions, you creatively and technically, like, made yes. this movie. And it just bothers me when, like, no one knows editors. Know. We know directors. Yeah, we don't directors know people. way names. too much credit. We know some writers. You see the same names and producers sometimes. We... Everyone's more aware now. We've talked about this. So, you know, like, studio heads, and you kind of know some names. No one knows editors. No. No. I couldn't even name I can't. No. I can name you the ones that are written in front yeah. of us. <laughs> the ones that you see working with these, like, top male directors, you might pay attention. You might notice. But even... You see their names. Even this list, huge male directors, Scorsese, yeah. and I didn't know. I had no I idea. No, me neither. I didn't know they were working with, with female editors. No. Because you don't I think about... <laughs> no, because yeah. you see and you're like... And I get it. Like, the director obviously has to have, like, a vision. Tarantino's case, again, he writes his own mm-hmm. material, so it's, his vision is very yeah. clear. Um, but, like, a director in so many cases, like, it's already written. He doesn't even have to do that part. He comes in and he's like, oh, I have some fun ideas for what we could do with this film mm-hmm. and make it look good and sound good and be good. Yeah. He goes on set, he says yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Goes into the editing and says yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But everyone else does everything else. Yeah. (sighs) Basically, you can't do it with all these roles. But, like, I just hate that so much. Like, literally, like, sometimes before the title, like, credits, like, director's name. Yeah. Uh, Like, okay. Blah, blah, blah film. I'm like, calm down. Okay, yeah. You made this movie, but so did other people. And, like... You know. No. It's our society needs to have a hierarchy (laughs) in everything. Yeah. And it's just, even like, I always think of writing as more important. I don't want to say important, but like, to kind of give the credit to why I love a movie so much, I would give that more to the writing because that's the story. That's it. The director made it happen. The cinematographer made it look so beautiful or whatever. But like, if it's the story that I really love, then I give most credit. I'm like, this writer, I want to see more by this writer. You cannot overcome bad writing. You can overcome yeah. a lot of bad things in a film. But if it's poorly written, it don't matter what you do to it. No, you can't even edit that together. <laughs> right. Although editing can save a lot. It can save and a it lot. it can ruin a lot. It can hide a lot. Yep. Yeah. You know, you get the stories, if you listen to commentary, they're like, oh yeah, we were planning on doing all this and we didn't have time, but like they put it together to make it look like we did that. Yeah. Or like choosing what to cut and mm-hmm. what to keep in. Absolutely. Every movie Because that, that can is like, ruin the flow of a story. That yeah. Can, like every movie that's like, say two hours long has like at least like 20 hours of footage. Right. And not just because multiple takes, like because there are just, that you film way more than you need. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, editing is where you make it. Yeah. You have you have it written out. You translate that into production. And then you pick the pieces. But then you make it 
in editing. Right. You have a puzzle. Mm-hmm. You see, you see like your little picture of like this is what the puzzle's making. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, to make this puzzle, you have twenty thousand pieces, you and you only need all... a thousand of them. So make yeah. sure you pick the right ones to use. But also, like you make them all out of order as individual right. pieces. Yeah, and that's a lot of like the production people like yeah. make. When you put it together, it's a complete picture, even though you made it, like, weeks apart and did all this stuff. And then you edit it, you put it all together. Yeah. I just... And you have to pick the right pieces to put it together yeah. and make it look beautiful. Yeah. Oh, God. It's it's intense. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It just... It, it bothers me that editing doesn't get more credit, because, yeah. like, I've never edited, like, a movie. I've never even edited, like, a short film or anything, but, like... I know just from what I've done that that is how you make the thing. You also enjoy editing a lot. I love it. It's your, it's your <laughs> because that's how I make my right. thing. Yeah, you see, see it come together and like yeah. be something. Like I can write something and sit down in front of the camera and like talk or whatever, or like I'm vlogging all month. But then like I'm making the thing when I go into Final Cut and I put it all together, mm-hmm. make it look pretty Yay. and make it make sense and cut out the nonsense and get to the point and like. It's the same thing with, like, writing anything. Like, you write something, and then you edit, and you edit, and you edit, and edit, and then you get a piece. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yes. Revision. <sighs> yep. Basically, I love editing. I love editors. I love... <laughs> more I want them more credit. <laughs> I did notice in Kill Bill that, like, it was, like, Quentin Tarantino, and then, like, the cast, and, like, the first credit after was editor. That's nice. And then, like, producers and stuff. And I was like, good. <laughs> She's fucking important. Right. Um, it's also like, it does get so detailed editing too. Like, you can, because actors generally, if they're decent, give you a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you'll have it. You, imagine every line being said pretty much with like a range of emotion. Yeah. And you have to pick like, the right things to use to, like, make it feel a certain way. On, make like, an audience. Both sides of yeah, the conversation make them match. And yeah. it's, like, so you can take, it can be, like, a split second and, like, the way somebody's looks at somebody makes a big difference in the rest of the film. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's every moment is important when you're editing, too. Yeah, like, and editing, like most of filmmaking, it's very technical and very creative. Yes, like absolutely. When it's it can seem very creative when you're writing and you're just dreaming about it. That's where the creativity comes in, and then production seems very technical. But then you have you know your actors and you're trying to make it look nice. That's the creative part. Mm-hmm. And then editing, obviously, it's very technical. You're on the computer, you're splicing things Splice, together. Yeah. Um, but then it's also you're still creating yeah, the nuances. You have and... to be creative and get the technical. That's why. That's why you enjoy it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and also that's why you have, like, your editor that works with the director, but then you have, like, an editing team. Right. Because there's so much technical stuff to get through, and one editor does not edit a feature film. No. And then there's the colorist, and then there's the right. sound editor. There's so <laughs> many little pieces. Especially, like, the colorist. Great. So it would also yes. be a good movie to talk about, like, the colorist. On. Yes. Because <laughs> it's very distinct color choices throughout the entire film, yeah. and you have the black and white thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest thing, and we talked about this, but we watched uh, Side by Side about digital yes, film. Yes, that was so cool. That was the first the time I learned stuff. about colorists. I know. And I was like... 
That's what shit. I was thinking of right That's now. That's not just editor, because when I edit shit, I'm also color correcting or whatever. Levels, yeah. But I'm like, damn, that's a whole separate, like, art and technical skill. I know. Like, I was thinking about side by side when I was saying, like, yeah. colors. Like, I was imagining, like, this is a great film to be a colorist on. I feel like you'd have, like, a lot of fun doing a film like this that has, yeah. like, a different, distinct Because every, look. like, person she goes to kill, each, like, sort of story can have its own look. Yeah. And even within that, he switches to black and white or whatever. Like, fucking... <sighs> editing is great. Be editors make the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what we're saying. I just want editors to get the credit they deserve. We Especially know. women editors. We recognize. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was, I guess this will be in our links, there's like a Tumblr post. It was um, screen caps of... Patton Oswald is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing his stand-up, and he's basically just saying, like, um, editing... Editors actually make the movie. Like, all those movies that you love that were edited by women, that means a woman made your favorite movie. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, he says, and any movie you love, chances are it was directed by a man, edited by a woman, which means a woman directed it. That's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's true. It's true, yeah, absolutely. It is a type of directing well in a type of creating the movie well because story again like director will be like oh here are all these choices he's mm-hmm. not really like making the final decision yes he's in the room okay like yes. a lot of the time and i'm sh- there's a it's lot a of team. people they call it a director's cut by the way for a reason because mm-hmm. the editor made the actual cut yeah <laughs> like or the studio right the or cut, the studio you know. but like i mean they're the ones that really make the, like, have a lot, or at least have a lot of say in, like, this is the final mm-hmm. decision. This is the way you should go. And I imagine a director would be, is more driven by the creative, like, my story, my yes. film, I want it to be this. Whereas, and the editor may, probably reins them in and says, like, okay, that but, doesn't like, make sense. this shot doesn't <laughs> go with this shot. Right. I have to put it opposite this shot because of this reason. Like, right. angles and blah, blah, blah. Well, and also, they have to have the ability to be like, no, like, we don't need this. The movie, Your movie yeah. is two and a half hours long. This section is not necessary yeah. to the telling of the story. I know you love it. I know. Because, yeah. like, as a director, I know, like, I would have to be like, no, but I'm emotionally attached. I made that. Yeah, like, that took a week to make <laughs> right. those five seconds. And they're like... And the editor's like, cut it. No, we don't need it. Yeah. We already have this thing. We Let's right. move on to the next thing. It's a hugely important part because, like, when you're sitting in a movie and you're like, oh, my God, this movie's never going to end. Yeah. Or, like, you feel like, oh, it's lagging or, like... What happened? I'm confused. I've missed a part. Yeah. A lot of the time, that's stuff that, like, happens in editing. Like, yeah. can we cut this without confusing the audience as to what's happening mm-hmm. in the story? All that sort of thing. Those are all choices that get made in the editing room. Yeah. And I watch, or I listen to podcasts, How Did This Get Made, mm-hmm. where they talk about bad movies. Right. And it's mostly just a laugh. But they'll talk about, like, how confused they were, and it's like, I thought I missed a scene or whatever. I'm like, and there was like, I bet they shot this, whatever. I'm like, that's editing. That's editing. Yeah. I'm sure they shot enough to make their story make sense, as stupid as the story was. And then, like, for whatever reason, the studio or something came in and was like, we have to cut it down to this long, or we have to do something, and they just, like, lose the movie, and, I don't know, it can make or break a movie. Absolutely. Script. Editing. (sighs) Yep. Those are the, that's the structure, right? Yep. That's, that's it. Yep. You can make a beautiful movie and put it, like, all in the wrong order and stick the wrong 
like shots together and it'll be like what the fuck is going on I don't feel anything you know yeah I just love editing there's some other notes from that tumblr thing about people adding examples like obviously Mad Max Fury Road had a woman editor um Dimensions of Scazy Woody Allen um they said every good Star Wars film <laughs> um, been edited by uh, a woman. Uh, Joss Whedon's editor Lisa Lysak, mm-hmm. um, Bonnie and Clyde Breakfast Club, Adam's Family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yep. Um, and then someone added, literally, the reason why the first Star Wars trilogy was largely phenomenal, but the prequels a hot mess between the two. George Lucas divorced his editor. <laughs> like. Yeah. yeah, that's the team yep. thing. Like you got Absolutely. your team and you make something, and then you change your team. And like if, personal stuff aside, but like, if it's not there though, it really fucks shit yeah. up. Yeah, if you don't have that, you become after everything's been shot. An editor comes in and says, like, okay, now I'm gonna make something out of the stuff you made. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, work together and create your movie. <sighs> yep. Yep. Basically, editing's awesome. Take note of the editors mm-hmm. next time you're watching a movie. Yes. And um, I'll try to put some examples in the post for this of, like, women editors you should check yeah. out. Uh, most recently, I'm going to forget her name, is Joy McMillan edited Moonlight. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um. So, yeah. And just, I don't know, think about it maybe next time you're watching your favorite movie yeah. or a movie you know that we you've seen before so you think like think about how editing made this movie and often it's like pretty much all the jobs in filmmaking you don't notice it if it's good right that's why you have to think about it yeah <laughs> like if the cinematography is good you don't notice it because you're just you're seeing what you need to see or the direct you know the acting's good you don't notice, notice it. it's it, when it's yeah. bad that things stand out um definitely so it's kind of it's hard to notice editing unless it's something really specific like i've seen a few movies where it's like multi-frame editing right. like it's well, something really... like 500 days of summer or something like that that has yeah. like weird choices yes this like stylistically weird yes. choices not just like this doesn't work weird choices. <laughs> no, yeah um yeah yeah. Just I just want to spread the message of <laughs> editing and editors and give them more spread credit. Spreading the good word yep. of editing. Yep. yep. And there's also, I was going to say something about, like, there's a reason director, directors don't edit their own movies. They're too because, close to it. Yeah, you need someone else to put together yep. this thing you made. You need a third, you need another set of eyes to look at it with, you want somebody who, like, believes in the the project, obviously, mm-hmm. but you also want somebody that's not afraid to be like, okay, but like, it's not their baby, right. like it's your baby. Yeah, yeah. Although there are instances of directors editing their own stuff. Of course, um, the Love Witch, which is a beautiful movie that I <laughs> yeah. love. She did fucking everything for that movie. She had to. and it worked. She yeah. that's her style. That's what she does. Um, of course, it's very rare though. Yeah, um, there's always like the exception mm-hmm. of like, but I think it's also. Uh, last year I went to a screening of The Saver by Vivka von Karelsfeld, mm-hmm. and she was there for a Q&A, and I believe that movie 
she edited herself or maybe she was talking about her last movie that she edited herself and this one was like, I got an editor because you do not want to edit your own movie because you're too attached and you yep. drive yourself crazy. And, Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's possible. I would definitely feel weird letting go of something I made. I feel like you'd also know, though, like, if if you were making, like, <laughs> like a studio-type project or a project yeah. that was, like, backed and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you, I feel like you'd have trouble letting go. You'd definitely be, like, a director in the room, but, like, you'd also be like, I need somebody else to look at this. Because you're usually pretty good yeah. at getting people to, like, can you look at this? Because I can't see. I just, I, it's I'm, all, I'm just, that's yeah. all I see now. <laughs> yeah. If I did do something bigger... It would be a point of, like, I need someone to sit here for hours on end and meticulously, get like, technically create it. But I'm, you know, but that's what we're talking about. The director works with the editor. So right. that you don't just give it to an editor. No, of course. You're working like, it's as still, a team. like, you still have, like, I could let go of some the, of the technical right. stuff so I well, could focus on my creative vision. And I think but, you'd be good if somebody, if it was a good editor and they were like, okay, like, Willing to, like, let's look at it both ways. Like, I have an idea. You'd probably be like, well, I don't care. You'd be like, okay, like, let's see it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's my problem, though. I don't work well with other people with creative stuff all the time. Mm. We're, we're working on something together. Yeah, it's like, are. that is new for me. It's to new be for me also. creating it from the beginning with someone. But that's also work writing it together. Right. I'm not making it. It feels like a little bit like. And then giving it to someone. It feels more ours, maybe, because we're writing it together. So yeah. it's like we're both writing this. Yeah. It's just that we know you're going to do all the work when it comes to editing, <laughs> right? Because, like, I don't know how to I do it. I can't wait stuff. to edit it. Yeah. I know. I already have. That's the other thing, like, um, because I would do everything, like, write it. And then make it and oh, then edit it. Come sit like, in a tiny box with you if you want while you're <laughs> editing. It's not a tiny box. It's a well-lit room. Wow. Um, but, like, when I write, I'm already writing in editing stuff. Right. Yeah. Which I don't think most writers do because they're not editors. They're mm-hmm. writers. Sometimes they're also directors. So, like, obviously you write specific shots and you storyboard and there's a sort yeah. of overlap of writing and directing, hopefully, unless you just sell <laughs> off your script. But um, they don't think about the minutia of editing, whereas, like, I am already, like, we will be writing. Yeah. You're like, like, I have a great idea oh, for that okay. shot. I'm going to get these little, like, insert shots. I'm going to edit like this. Yeah. And you're like, okay, Tish, that sounds cool. <laughs> right. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, like, that, that sounds yes, great. It's very Edgar Wright, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get it. But, like, I have to, you know, and I'm so yeah. visual, like, I'm already... Seeing the shots, yeah, and, stuff. and then we'll get to actually shooting, and I'll be like, "Oh no, this shot in my head isn't lining up the way I thought. Oh, what okay. am I gonna do?" Yeah, we'll figure it. It'll be a production experience. Fun. Yay! Yay! We have so much to do. Oh, all right, let's all right. wrap this up. Well, yeah, I thought we had way more to talk about than I thought we would. <laughs> you can't imagine if there were three of us. Oh yeah. <laughs> 15-hour-long <laughs> podcast. You can email us at inthemoviespodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at inthemoviespod. Tell us what you think. Say hi. Share stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All <laughs> of the above are acceptable. Please. Yeah. Um, there's always a post on my website to go with this podcast, so I'll put links and stuff in there. Um, don't forget to watch us on YouTube because we're pretty cool yeah um what was the last thing we did we went to the Latin American Film Festival yes we did and it was lovely it was 
a great movie. Yeah. Um, from Chile. Chile. Uh, so you can watch us talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much else lately because I've been busy moving, but there will be more movie yeah. videos. You're pretty stuff. much moved now, so now I feel like we can start ramping back up. Yeah. Um, also, if you want to support the podcast, get us some mics. If you there's a scary moment, or we're whatever. always yeah. Um, mics are good. You can probably hear people in the hallway right now. Just perfect timing, guys. Thank you. Talking about mics, um, we have <laughs> one that. mic that just uh, is like 360 picks up everything. But you could hear only our voices if we each had a mic just pointed at us. So we be so sultry. Oh, yes. Imagine their beautiful voices. Mm. Um, I'm actually. It didn't sound too bad, I don't think. No, we did. The wind we died got, down. It was pretty windy earlier. And there earlier. was, like, no one in the hallway while we were talking it's about It's probably a good stuff. time. It's not like people... It's past, like, people coming home from work time. Right. It's, it's past kind of like they're time. all sitting inside eating dinner, and we're podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. Uh, what was my point? Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.com slash Tish Chambers. Links are all in the description of this episode. Mm-hmm. If you want to help us out. Help us out. So, That'd be great, because we love doing this, but we want to sound nice for you. We would love to sound nice. (laughs) Okay, thanks for listening. Have a good week. Bye.